Hello, welcome to the Kentucky Dad Podcast. Big Blue Drew here. Sunday morning, gorgeous Sunday morning in Kentucky. Probably one of our last days with no heat for a while. So enjoy it if you listen to this on the first day. Get outside. It's going to be lovely. Um, Lots going on with the Dad Podcast. I just wanted to say thank you. Last week, I got just tons of love, just random messages, people saying they're listening, their wives are listening, etc. So thank you. We did the giveaway. I know we talked about last week, so shout out to Sophie Grace. You won the Home Field Apparel t-shirt, so I know she was really excited. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me if I get a message or people are listening. So hopefully um, we keep knocking some good guests in throughout um, heading into football and basketball season and stuff. But today we have a great one. And and I don't know if this person has followed or not, but I've been teasing a little bit because there's a picture of Anthony Davis and TJ Beisner. And I haven't said which person's coming on the podcast. I've just said it's one of the people in the picture and that it was going to be a Kentucky legend. So now here's the big reveal if um, you followed up with that. So who do we have on the podcast this morning? Not Anthony Davis. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I think everyone's equally excited, TJ. I know I'm excited. (laughs) Well, I, I was going to say, uh, I apologize to everyone that I'm not Anthony Davis, but when I was in middle school, I actually had a unibrow that was probably better than what he has right now, if that's any consolation. So we definitely share that thing because I could, uh, we talk, we watch alone and stuff like that a lot. And I would say, if I was on alone for like two weeks, I would have one eyebrow. Mine is just, yeah. you know, my wife plucks them and, sh- and she says they grow as I'm plucking them. So I definitely. <laughs> well, that's like, uh, there's an evolution, uh, like with haircuts as you get older and they start asking you, like, I got to a point where, like, do you, you want us to trim your eyebrows? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And then, you know, I joke with them, hey, what did I just cut it? You know, I trust you, just trying not to look bald. And they went from saying, oh, you're not bald, to now they're like, oh, yeah, I understand. We'll take care of it. <laughs> and now you got the ear, the ear hair. Do you want us to trim your ears? I'm like, my gosh, where does it go from here? I don't even know where this is headed. Dude, the ear hair is wild. The ear hair I've been noticing, too, as I get older. And I'm like, you know, I work like my regular jobs, like kind of across the desk from people. So I'll get home some days. I'm kind of like, man, I'm, I just feel like someone's probably just grilling my long ear hair the whole day. But, man, great start to the podcast, though. We got ear hair in the first 90 seconds. But that's that's the life of a dad, I guess. And I had to start, too, TJ, because I know you're like – so I think most people that follow Kentucky basketball will be, you know, familiar – with you and kind of um, some stuff that you do, but I know you're a jack of all trades. Your title's always changing. I can never even really narrow down kind of what you do. I'm sure sometimes you feel the same. And I noticed your, um, your Twitter like header doesn't even list it anymore. It just says go cats. So was that just kind of your like um, submission into the fact that you just do a little bit of everything? Uh, What's going on with you? Yeah. Yeah. No, my, my job title is I'm the director of content development and digital media for JMI sports. So my actual like primary job is I oversee the UK sports network. So TV, radio, you know, if you listen to a game on the radio, um, I'm kind of in charge of a team that puts that together. And then uh, BB and tonight, BB and game day, the new TV shows. And then from that, when I started at JMI, I was, uh, doing coach Cal's website, which I still help with now. It's not really something that's, that they, you know, it's changed. It's really just kind of a Wikipedia of Cal at this point. Um, And because of that, I just kind of developed a relationship with Cal in men's basketball. So there's the unofficial job I have, which is 
kind of whatever Cal asked me to do for men's basketball. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, content, um, ideas, conversation. Hey, I had a uh, call me. Somebody said this to me and I have a crazy idea. I'm kind of like that guy as well. So a um, little bit of everything, but what pays the bills is JMI sports director of whatever I said, content development, digital media. All right, good. I'm glad you reset it. I got two of the three written down. So yeah, I know you do a lot and um, people appreciate you in that way. I think that I know you've kind of even mentioned that on the last podcast and I'm going to put this out this week. It reminded me. So if, uh, if you're a new listener to the dad podcast, um, TJ was actually our very first dad to come on. And it's crazy. I think that was like, that was like right when the pandemic started, it's definitely been over a year. So it felt like time flew and stood still at the same time. But I know on that podcast, um, you talked a little bit about that. And then something awesome for me was I remember Coach Cal called you during the podcast yeah. and you and you didn't you elected to stay on the podcast and not answer the call. And I've told that story many times. That was always one of like a cool moment for me, especially being the first podcast. So um, I know Cal, Cal leans on you for that a lot, too. It seemed like a, you got a good head on your shoulders and he kind of bounces ideas off you. He, I will tell you my favorite thing about Cal, like, I mean, obviously I'm a basketball fan and I grew up, um, you know, watching Cal at UMass and, and Memphis and then Kentucky being a Kentucky alum, you know, uh, was a fan while also in the media and, and doing, uh, you know, website TV and everything. So I admire him for his basketball, but I, my favorite part of working with him is, as he says, I am as crazy as he is. That's what he always says to me, that when he has a, a wild idea or I have a wild idea, it feels like it's two like little kids, just like you're sitting in a tree fort or something. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, what if we did this? What if we did this? And then what happens is everybody else, you know, ends up reeling it in like, oh, okay, yeah, you guys are like way overshooting. You're thinking this. and um, But that's what I love about him. There, you, there are no bad ideas when it comes to Cal. The first time, you know, he'll hear it and he'll say, hey, this won't fit. Let's do this. Let's think differently. Um, but more often than not, he's just a guy who loves new stuff and thinking outside the box. And um, it's it's fun. I enjoy my calls with him. I mean, they're, they're work calls, but, you know, I, I enjoy talking to him. He's a uh, he's one of a kind in many ways. He's one of a kind. Well, if he calls again today, we're going to get a throw it on speaker. We're going to have to figure out a way to, to, okay. to add him in. Um, well, but no, here's, here's the thing. When, when he's like practice isn't going right now, like, you know, so they're taking a break from practice. So most of those calls are him talking to me and then yelling at his dogs and like, hold on, I'm cleaning <laughs> up the poop. And then so like I, I've done I've sat with my son before and he's like, how many of your calls are just him like picking up after his dogs pooping? And I'm like, You'd be surprised how many of them are like that. <laughs> so it sounds like sounds like you guys are the dreamers and you're the dreamers and maybe you know he relies on you to kind of uh to push him off the ledge a little bit if he has an idea and I'll say and I know we talked about this last time and you would have a, a better perspective as anyone so I can bring it up again but the fact that um and I'll just say it like this if you know if Cal isn't your coach people tend to not like him right you know if he is your coach we love him and with me just having some access over the last few years and like kind of getting to see more of the day-to-days, not just him on TV in a suit coaching, but just the random media opportunities he gets, time alone with people, fans, like he is genuinely about people and especially his players. And I think when you don't, you know, when you don't cheer for blue and white and you're already kind of looking for reasons to poke through that, I think a lot of his haters don't know maybe really take the time to embrace that. But I know that's something even when I meet people that aren't um, Kentucky fans and we start kind of talking about that, I always mention that he's not, you know, faking that player's first stuff. That is the way he, he gets out of bed in the morning and, you know, he lives his life that way. And, 
and you tell me if I'm wrong, TJ, but it just seems like his whole mentality with that, you know, the way that he does that, he knows by doing that first, everything else just kind of naturally takes care of itself from like, you know, wins, losses, and just the program remaining at the top. Yeah, and, and that's what, you know, he talks a lot about what is your why. That's a big thing with the players when they're being recruited and also once they get to Kentucky. You know, why do you want to be great? Why do you want to take on this challenge at Kentucky that is unlike any other challenge in college basketball? You have to discover what motivates you. And, and he tells a story all the time about Bam Adebayo, who had the photo of the home he lived in with his mom uh, on his, the background of his cell phone. And that was his why. And, and Cal's why is people. I mean, you're right. Like, that's the one thing that, you know, when I was moving into this role from the media where, like you, I liked him and, and, and I had great interactions with him. Part of my concern was, hey, I'm a grown man. He's not going to talk to me <laughs> like, like he's coaching me at the end of the second half of a game. And, and that's going to be a tough conversation we have to have probably at some point. And we've never had to because he's about people. And, and he's always in, in conversations I've had with him. Um, it's been about, you know, how's your family? Do what's best for your family. And, and, and that's the same how he treats players, how he treats everybody in the organization. And um, I might have I might have told this story on, on the last podcast, but the, the one that always sticks out for me in terms of who he is and how he cares about people was my first season was the 2018-19 season working uh, with the team. And it was also my son's freshman year of college. He was on the UK football team. And of course, they made the Citrus Bowl. So we're not missing the Citrus Bowl as a family. And also my little guy who was back then, he was what, I don't know, what, nine, eight, nine years old, wanted to go to Disney World. That was always his dream. So I went to Cal and I said, hey, we're going to go to the Citrus Bowl. And I'm taking my little guy to Disney World. And that means the day after we play Louisville, I'm leaving in the morning. I'm going to miss our first SEC game against Alabama. And, you know, I'm sorry if that frustrates you. And, and you know, I'm willing to take the heat on that. But this is an opportunity I need to take with my family. And, uh, and I've got a plan how it's going to be taking care of all my responsibilities and everything. And he said, okay. And I was like, all right, check that box. Well, that was probably, you know, three weeks, two weeks before it actually happened. So we go to Louisville. We beat Louisville. Next morning, you know, obviously he's had this big win and they're on a little bit of a break. I'm loading up the car because we drove down to Orlando and uh, my wife says, hey, Cal just texted you because I'm, I'm in the back loading the, the phones up front in the cup holder. I'm like, oh boy, uh-oh. And so I went and looked at it and it said, have a safe trip. Enjoy this time with your family. These are the moments you don't get, the, get back. Hope you guys enjoy it. That, and that to me, I saw that and I was like, we haven't talked about this in a couple of weeks. And he remembered that and not only remembered it, but took the time to, to send something that was so thoughtful. I don't know if he knew that I had a little stress associated with bailing on my new job that I love so much. And, um, but that's the story that I always come back to when people say, what kind of person is John Calipari? That's the one that I think sums up best his, you know, how he values the people around him and not just those people, but their families as well. I mean, he, he, he really, genuinely cares about your wife and your kids and and that goes throughout the organization yeah you know it's it's not just the fact that you know he said sure you, you know you can go tj he gave you his blessing but i think it goes so much further you know that he you know wanted to make you enjoy the trip you know not just going i deal with that i've always dealt with that a lot in my my big boy job which is like you know giving people time off and kind of all those conversations and i've always made a point that when someone's leaving try to do that to like hey have a good trip don't worry about this place or whatever yeah. 
because you know I'm sure that that drive probably felt so much more relaxed and better. Um, oh yeah. You know, just knowing he, he took that extra time. But most likely, how that went down though, TJ was he probably looked to his left, looked to his right, needed something from TJ, then was like, oh man, I forgot. He's <laughs> he's going to his thing. Like let me let me wish him well there because as we yeah. talked about, I know he um he does rely a lot on you. But man, we got to get into some dad stuff quick. So you were my the very first podcast as we mentioned. Um, and please make sure you're following us. We got uh, TJ Beisner on today, Kentucky Dad Pod at Kentucky Dad Pod on Twitter. You can check out. Um, we got some really awesome guests lined up for the for the rest of the summer. But I know TJ, when you came on first, we didn't have a ton of the segments that we have now. I'm trying to hit some. Um, I'm trying to think of just some real quick one hitter questions that like um, let the listeners know about the guests a little bit without just asking them something um, kind of lame and direct. So ours is a little different. We usually do these on weeknights. This is a Sunday morning. But it'll be kind of nice to look back to last night. And my question just is, what did the family do for dinner Saturday night? We had meatball subs and uh, salad. So my wife, I, by the way, and I apologize. I know you said quick hitter, but you know I'm a rambler. So I will try to be quick for me. Uh, we have a garden out back where we grow a lot of vegetables. And so we eat in the summer, especially a lot of salads that, from the vegetables that my wife grows. So salad, and then she made meatball subs, which were delicious. Ooh, homemade. That's a, that's a rare homemade dish right there. When you said yeah. meatball subs, my next follow-up was definitely going to be from where. So, wow. And, yeah, uh, man, and literally homemade some of that too. Wow. <laughs> All right, well done. Let's knock out another one of those. Let's see. Um, oh, I know. I don't think I don't think I got to this one on you. I wouldn't think so. If it was the first one, but another question that we're trying to ask all the least new guests um, are just in your daily kind of weekly routine. Would you say that you drink more soda, coffee, or alcohol? I well, okay. The answer to that is alcohol, which sounds bad, but it's because I don't drink coffee or soda, and I rarely right. drink. I'm, I am a. I don't drink caffeine. And I drink mostly water all the time, but I do, I do have a little bourbon every now and then. So the answer is alcohol, but that probably sounds horrible. That's <laughs> no, okay. That's usually how it shakes out. And that surprised me though. And again, that's why we asked that question that um, somebody with kind of a, uh, a rigorous schedule like you with the kids and then traveling and all that, that um, you stay away from caffeine. So that's a, yeah. has it always been that case or was that like a recent change? No. Well, it's been probably seven or eight years, but so when I was growing up, I never drank caffeine because I had a basketball coach who told me to make me cramp up. So I never drank sodas. And then I got to a point where I drank a whole lot of them, gained a lot of weight. Um, and actually, so I have um, not as bad because I've managed it well, uh, anxiety, like social anxiety, pretty bad. And it, it's not as bad now as it used to be. It used to be really, really bad about 10 years ago. And they told me, hey, you know, if you stop drinking caffeine, that's one thing that'll help you a little bit. It'll make you mm -hmm. less, you know, your heart a little like less jittery, jittery yeah. a little jittery. And so I just said, okay, well, anything that will help because I'm freaking out. Um, and so I stopped. And so, I, I mean, I like, I have a Coke every once in a while. Like if I'm, you know, my wife and I are out on the road and we hit a drive through and I'm like, yeah, just give me a Coke. I need a, you know, a drink or whatever. But uh, um, yeah, no, no caffeine and never really got into coffee. I've had one cup of coffee ever. And that was on FaceTime with Nate Sestina because we made a deal. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That we were going to have, it, it, not if we made the final four, when we made the final four, I was going to have my first cup of coffee with him. And then, of course, the season got canceled and we all got sent home. So uh, he and I FaceTimed and I tried, I could, I had like two sips. I just didn't like it. But yeah, it was the only time I've ever had a cup of coffee was with Nate. I remember that now. I totally forgot about that, that coffee segment with mature Mr. Sestina there. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. I'm in a similar boat. I, know I won't go into detail because I talk a lot about mine, but I don't drink coffee either. And I think we're too old to pick it up now. So good for us. I think it's good. Your basketball yeah. coach did good. He kind of used them um, in sales. We'd call that a fear tactic. 
yeah. use the beer <laughs> tactic. Don't drink caffeine or you'll cramp up. And look at you. It's, it's probably saved you many pounds throughout there. So, so good job, yeah. basketball coach. Um, so one thing, our last guest, too, if you um, didn't get a chance to listen, guys, was um, Justin Rowland from Rivals. He's always awesome, too. He was one of the first dads we ever had on, just a, a wealth of knowledge on um, both football and basketball. And one of my main questions and kind of topics we dug in, TJ, and we definitely have to with you, and, and we'll start here because this could maybe take a little bit, is just um, the world being flipped upside down on July 1st with name, image, and likeness. And you were somebody that, that I thought about kind of initially, and Justin and I went through it, too, and as I, I think everybody agrees, you know, that this is the best thing for the kids. Um, long overdue, really excited to see them kind of get, get a chance to, to um, you know, show their worth, I guess, and, and get what's owed to them. But at the same time, I've been looking at it from this point of view from people like you, even Coach Cal, uh, Mitch Barnhart, like some of these people that are kind of in the midst of the governance of this with it just being from zero to 100. I'm sure that's been, you know, strange for you. And it's probably kind of totally change up a lot of the stuff that you do and kind of expecting to do in the future. So just, I guess it's kind of just walk us through the journey with it. Yeah. I mean, it's something that, so, you know, like going back to what my job, the nature of what I do is I work for JMI sports, which is obviously the, the multimedia rights partner at Kentucky, which is a, a relationship built around corporate sponsorships and, and generating funds for the athletic department and the university. So from that perspective and having a relationship with, with the athletic department and the student athletes, name image likeness has been something that has been on the radar for, uh, you know, well over a year, if not longer, but having like really um, not intense, but, but serious conversations for the last year. And it's the hardest part about it. Um, and I don't think this is hard anymore, but, but for the, for the time leading up to it was you didn't know what it was going to be. No one wanted to be assertive and taking the lead on it. The NCAA was, was waiting for federal legislation. I think um, most of the states, at least at that time, were not getting involved in it. And so as we forecasted out what it meant for, for JMI sports, what it meant for the athletes, what it meant for the university, it changed hourly sometimes. I mean, there were days where we had a conversation in the morning and then we're having a different conversation at noon because different reports are out there because no one knew. And so it took right up until, I mean, 72 hours before July 1st, I think where we had, um, you know, a pretty accurate uh, portrait of what it is. And so I, I think to your point, the, the challenge for the student athlete is, is education and compliance and, and not compliance just in an NCAA capacity, but compliance with taxes and compliance sure. with uh, state laws and, and, and that's an area where I think there's a huge opportunity for the, the university um, and, and the NCAA or the conference or whatever it looks like going forward uh, to be involved. And so because the NCAA doesn't really have rules and the SEC is kind of saying follow the school directive, we can do stuff, but it's, it's you know, we have to be, the, the rules are just like NCAA rules. You can, um, you know, I forget what it says. Now, I can't do any of it because I work at a marketing company, but the, the right. rules for the university are, you know, you can advise, but you can't direct or, or however they phrase it. So I think overall, we all feel the same way. You know, UK, uh, the, you know, Cal, JMI, that if, if we do this correctly, this is great for everyone. Right. And, and, you know, JMI is in the business of, of selling the UK logo, essentially selling the you know, sponsorships for the University of Kentucky. And part of that is identifying with the student athletes. And if the student athletes are allowed to go out and market themselves, 
And by the way, the university has been marketing student athletes for years. I mean, that's, that's part of a pitch for recruiting at every university and has been. We have X amount of followers on social media. We do this, we do that. That's been part of it. And so they're promoting the student athletes um, and they can go out and do stuff on their own. And all of that, I think, enhances the value of the corporate sponsorship. Um, when, when your student athletes are out in the community and they are, um, you know, whether it's doing a commercial or an autograph signing or a community service, which is also part of building your brand, that enhances the value of the program, which makes people want to buy tickets. And so uh, the, the challenge is not that anyone is threatened, in my mind. I think, honestly, it's a huge opportunity to really uh, benefit college athletics. This, is, this legislation and hopefully whatever comes next that is kind of either at the federal level or, or that kind of puts everybody on the same page, can help college athletics thrive for the next 50 plus years. The challenge now is we didn't have a lot of time to ramp up <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to get it going and, and understand it. And there's probably gonna be more rules that come down the line, um, you know, because the NCAA is still hoping federally that they do something. So it's a, it's a weird space, but it's, it's great for the student athletes, no question. Um, but, but they certainly need to, to have mentorship and and understand not just, hey, every person who's throwing you money is, in a, is a good situation, <laughs> you know, like right. there are consequences that come with it. So have good people around you and, and, you know, have people at the university who can help as much as they can within, within the rules. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's definitely, it's not, people say the wild west. I wouldn't call it the wild west. It's maybe like the gold rush which right. is, I think, you right. know, like a little after the Wild West, but um, we're, we're getting there. And I think, you know, it, it, we're, I love what Kentucky is doing with it and JMI is doing with it that is saying, you know, we, we can't lead you to water to the student athlete, but what we can do is we can provide, you know, resources for you. Um, if you want to do stuff with a student athlete, you can use the UK logos through us and you can use them in their jerseys if that's allowed. Um, gotcha. So I, I like where it's headed. But boy, it's been a it's been a journey. Yeah, and I think you can kind of circle back to the conversation we had earlier about um, Coach Cal being a dreamer. So this is really up his alley. Now you know he's been he's wanted to lead the charge from this. I think since before it was um, something that was probably even universally accepted by the, the I won't say universally, but I think the majority of fans now have accepted and are encouraged in some form of compensation to the players. But I guess then the other side for me, I said, I was just a little bit frustrated. I was just kind of putting my shoes in like a Mitch Barnhart a few weeks ago, you know, and I think he caught a little bit of heat just for not so much what he said, but I think just the tone and kind of his body language when he said it. And I was like, you know, imagine being this, him and other athletic directors to where, you know, you're just literally overnight having to govern this and, and keep the, you know, the kind of a reputation of your university that you work so hard to do. So um, that was a good way. I like the way that you put it, because I think a lot of people are saying the Wild West. And um, I think that is a little bit better way to, to put it. There's just something bright and shiny. Everyone wants a little piece of it. But I think just like in um, 18, uh, you know, 49 and all that, whenever they were gold rushing, um, I think they're going to find out that, you know, there might not be enough for everyone. And one of my points to Justin was that I think just through natural like consumerism and people spending that this is all going to even out kind of on its own, you know, in two or three years, there's going to be these sectors where the investors making money, the players making money, everyone's happy. But I think right now everyone's kind of just throwing something, seeing what sticks. But I just think naturally through, um, you know, ROI, um, it'll all kind of even out 
and then like you said maybe some some federal state legislation on the other end but that's the boring part the exciting part is you know that these kids are going to start to you know really get to get something out of you know what they've already built I mean they're amazing athletes by the time they get to these universities and I guess you can definitely bank too, TJ. There's going to be a, a lot of players going to be rolling up in, in nicer cars than you and I in the future. That's probably for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I don't have a very nice car to begin with. My, and, and my son, has, since he moved home, has basically stolen it. So my wife and I are – I'm pretty much carless. My wife and I are sharing. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say I think it would surprise people to understand. I think there are a lot of student athletes who are, are, are saying, hey, you know what, like even football. You know, I've, I've put a lot of work into this if I just focus on my craft for the next couple of months, then I can be rewarded more than like, I, you know, I think there are people who view it as a distraction and that's, what's important again to the education piece is here, here's how you do it properly. Here's how you have support at your university level. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, going back to what we said, you know, particularly about Cal, he's focused on you and your family and, and, you know, he's not going to be the guy that's, you know, he's not going to be an agent for a player, <laughs> but he's going to encourage you to, to take advantage of all available resources. And, um, you know, at Kentucky with the team, you know, Deb Moore and Eric Lindsay and, and Jake Most, they do, they do all the content. The sports video department is phenomenal. Um, I think what we are seeing is that the players are a little more uh, excited to use the content that all these people have been creating the last couple right. of years. <laughs> you used to get into a situation be like, hey, you know, you wanted those photos and we tagged you on the app and oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Now it's like, ooh, content. Yeah, no, that's for my brand. I got to get it out there. So right. um, I, I don't think it's, for, from a fan standpoint, I don't think it's going to affect too much at all. Um, and, and I would tell you that the, you know, go talk about the, having a nicer car than me and all these other things. What I love about this job, it does take care of my family, but what I love is watching these young people grow. Mm -hmm. And so the only difference is I was the oldest and poorest guy in the room after they left Kentucky. And maybe that <laughs> won't be the case now, you know, it's not a bit like they're going to succeed. And that excites me that they're going to have that opportunity. Yeah. We talked about that too. I think it was kind of the, the first time we spoke was, um, I think pretty much just a few weeks after that, you know, the tournament got canceled and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, so one of my first times, I guess, going through was really the Tyler Hero, PJ Washington, that team. And so, you know, just from start to finish. And I mean, just the way that, you know, I guess it always abruptly ends no matter what. And then just a few weeks later, me being like, wow, Tyler's a millionaire. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and you just like, it's, it just doesn't seem um, on draft night. And then it hit me again this year. It's just like, you know, just how in an instant everything changes um for them and so it, it'll be a little bit different in, in that aspect now but um last question on nil and we'll kind of move on from a recruiting standpoint i mean this is definitely going to play a role but do you think it's going to be like the catalyst of recruiting moving forward or is it just going to be kind of like a side dish to the main entree of the university of kentucky um i, I think it's just going to be just kind of another feather in the cap i mean okay. The, the pitch at UK is we are the best and we are the best at this. We are the best at this. We are the best at this. And I think it's just another thing that you line up and you say, we're also the best at this, you know, mm -hmm. in, in my mind, this, I, I've seen a lot of people say, and I'm not speaking for Cal right now. This is just my opinion. Um, well, this is how you compete with overtime league or with G league. Um, and, and maybe, but I, I don't envision this being a situation where you sit down with a player and say, okay, well, you've been offered X amount of dollars. Um, you're going to get X amount of dollars at Kentucky through name, image, likeness, because you, you just can't guarantee that. Right. And also that's, that's, that's not how Cal recruits on anything. 
Cal doesn't promise minutes. Cal doesn't promise shots. I can't, I would be shocked if we ever got to a point where he said, you're going to make at least this and name image likeness. He doesn't make promises. Right. The promise he makes is the opportunity. And so at Kentucky, the name image likeness opportunity is better than it is anywhere else, in my opinion. So to me, it's a, you know, the, the, the strategy remains the same that you identify players who um, want to go to college. And when you sit down with the players who want to be in college, you say, here are all the reasons why we are better than these other schools. And by the way, this additional piece is another way we're better than all the other schools. And, and the, you know, the, the way those, that stuff's quantified right now is probably the same as it's always been with followers and audience and, you know, stuff like that, the TV ratings that Cal's talked about. Um, and, and I just, down the line, when you have dollar amounts and everything else, I still don't know if that's something that would even make it into a, uh, into a, a recruiting pitch with anybody because it's, a, it's just a dangerous game, I think, because it gets close to making a promise, which you don't do with anything else. Like I said, shots or minutes, but also financial promises are a little different. <laughs> And yeah. so I think that at Kentucky, it's always about the opportunity, the lights being bright and everything being magnified. And I think this just fits into that arsenal of saying, okay, look, this is now a part of it and we're better than everybody else. Do you want this challenge? Because this is the place for you. All the wins, losses, banners aside since was it like Cal's like 12th year or something like that. I was just going off on this this weekend in a group chat, really trying to land the point. One of the most amazing things to me in the Cal era is just the fact that the way that he's turned the roster over, as we all know, and I'm sure there's been minor discipline issues here or there. We could, we could talk about very few, very minor ones. But just the fact when you look at other college programs, football, basketball, that he's been able to be so selective with the people that he's brought in, that knock on wood, the University of Kentucky has really had no major issues disciplinary. So I always just talk about that. Like one credit to him for just the questions that he asks, I guess, and the way that he gets to know these kids and trains his staff to go out and recruit and I, I wrote that down, what you said earlier, that's one of the questions he asked them is like, do you want to be great? And, or, or why do you want to be great? And I'm sure the answer that he's given back really forms his opinion on, you know, mm -hmm. hey, is this a kid that we want to offer or not? So I've been putting my, that hat on when I'm thinking about Neil, because I do think that that might, you know, ultimately impact the, the offers that he's putting out and stuff, just based off him trying to, to keep that pipeline of just great kids coming through the program. Because um, that's more important than everything, right? Is making sure that he's getting the right people that want to be here. So I like that question um, that you said that he usually asks recruits and that also he mentions um, the photo on Bam's phone. And because I know we, I think I saw that on draft night too, even when he got picked. So Bam's the man, we all know that. So interesting, yeah, yeah. interesting stuff there. What about quick, because I had to jot it down too, um, along recruiting, just everybody's fired up, TJ. The new staff just seems to be... Um, I don't know if enjoying it's the right, the right word as, as opposed to the other staff, but they just seem to be like wide eyed out on the recruiting trail and just burning up the miles and everywhere they can be big smiles. I know coach O every event I've been at um, when he walks into the, to the room, whether he's wearing Kentucky or not, I mean, he's just, everybody looks at him and he kind of commands that attention. So what's just the vibes you've gotten from the new staff? And it just seems like they're all thrilled to be in their spots. Yeah, I, you know, I was I was talking to uh, I was in Orlando Antigua's office on Friday um, with Oscar Shubway and just sitting there talking about you know just the energy and and there's just a and, and I think a lot of it's post COVID as well um, just feeling like okay we're getting back to this and there's this excitement that um, you know like 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 Tony and Joel are two of my like I love Joel's one of my best friends. Um, and, and I like Tony a lot. We were just talking the other day on draft night 
and and they both found really good situations for themselves and are like you know so happy both of them and i love it and so i don't mean this as a knock on them at all because i love working with those guys um but orlando's just goofy <laughs> you know like he there's just like a goofiness like a childlike kind of like goofiness with him and and it's infectious and and you know i think part of you know when i walk into the joe craft center um there's like a a i don't know what it is like a feeling you get in your stomach that's i feel the blessing you know i'm excited to be there and it's to work and there are things happening but i just feel like man how lucky am i today that i'm walking in and i'm going to be around basketball and i'm going to be around a hall of fame coach and just people i genuinely like players and coaches and i think orlando from my understanding, had that before he left. Like he was just like, he had that same thing. And so you see it and going to camps with those guys this summer and, um, you know, being in the office and goofing with them a little bit. Like it's just a really fun, um, close knit already. I mean, obviously Bruiser's known Cal for 30 plus years. Orlando's been around Jay's now a little more comfortable and, and we're all getting to know Chin. It, it's just a group that is hungry to succeed, obviously. Um, like we're talking about with the players, they are welcoming the challenge. They're, they're here because they want to be on this stage too and compete at a high level. And so there's just a feeling um, from the players and coaches of either, hey, we're new and we're excited, or we went through last year and we're excited to, to not only, you know, have a better season, but to really feel what Kentucky basketball is about. You know, uh, I talked to Riley Welch a lot <laughs> and, and, uh, and he's still in Lexington. And so, you know, he was here two years and, and he never went to the tournament, like never even played in a game because of COVID. And, uh, and then obviously the way the season went last year. So like he hasn't, he never got, he was here two years and never got that experience. This is my, this will be my fourth season working closely with the basketball team. And I've really only gotten one and a half Kentucky basketball experiences because we lost the postseason. And then mm-hmm. um, I was on work from home all last year. I was never around the team. Um, so, so I think that there's just that feeling of, all right, let's go guys. We like the players. We like the staff. We love that we're back together and the whole world is out in front of us as individuals, as a team. And, and, and that's a great feeling because, you know, I'm like a big kid <laughs> a lot of times and just goofy and smiling and just excited to be there. And uh, I think Orlando is, uh, he's bigger than me and I think he's goofier than me. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how many times just listen do you go through that would a, a Kentucky basketball coaching staff get the chance to kind of like reset everything like this coaching staff is going to get the chance to do between COVID and just the historically bad season last year? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. You have to go back really far, you know, probably to like one of the monumental coaching changes over the history of Kentucky basketball. So um, I know a good friend of mine, Jack Pilgrim from Kentucky Sports Radio. He was one of the only people that um, kind of finagled his way into the peach jam. So, and just my, uh, my conversations with him, it was just like, cause you know what the peach jam is as far as recruiting. It's, you know, what coaches are there front and center in their colors, which guys are they watching? Who are they prioritizing? Who plays well? Then kind of, you know, ultimately who's getting the offers and stuff. And you could just tell um, from, from when I was talking to Jack that, like I said, that the new staff is in there, they're, they're front and center, they're present, they want to be there. Um, and just kind of the vibe, I think, of people knowing that Kentucky was in the building. They have this new coaching staff. Obviously, they're um, in position really well for some of the top players 
in the class of 2022. So that was refreshing for me. I know it was refreshing for a lot of fans to read his coverage and just kind of see that. And, and that's kind of um, the feedback I've gotten from him is just, man, this coaching staff, just, you can just tell how much they want to be here. They're all so thrilled that they landed where they landed at the time that they did. So made me feel a little bit better too, TJ, hearing you walk through that because I'm not going to lie. There will just be random days when I'll just kind of stop and start complaining to my wife. I'm like, there's been a hundred seasons of Kentucky basketball. I've managed, you know, got my way into cover three to four of them. And we have like a global pandemic and yeah. didn't, you know, didn't make the tournament one year. I'm like, so I don't know if I'm bad luck or what, but I definitely okay. feel like, you know, as a, as a fan and, and covering some of the stuff that, that I've been robbed a little bit, but at the same time, I'm kind of hoping that it's, um, it's all just dialing up for maybe like a, t- like maybe a natty run this year or something like that. We were due. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just excited for those guys to to get the feeling, not just at Rupp Arena, but this is what I told my wife, and this is probably a sign that psychologically there's something wrong with me. My favorite part about this job is walking into an opposing arena, coming out of that tunnel, and everyone booing and mm-hmm. screaming and calling you names and like just feeling that hatred and knowing you're going to kick their butt. Like that is like the best feeling in the world. And, and so my wife always laughs and I was like, I think there's something wrong with you at <laughs> that. But, but like for the, for these guys who are competitive, I can't wait for them to be in that environment to, to feel that and say, here we go. Because I think it, yeah. it just brings another level of adrenaline that really challenges you to be great. And that I'm excited about that too. That's a really good point. And I think people that have never been to a SEC road game, like, well, we'll do a pregame shows or whatever, TJ. Like, oh, we're just going to Missouri or we're just going. And I'm like, no, until you go and do all the pregame stuff and just see what these guys go through from um, just like a getting Raz standpoint, I guess yeah. you could say. Like, I remember when I lived in Florida, I would go to Gainesville every year. And like the year the 2012 team went there. I mean, I think they had Anthony Davis dressed in like a like a like a wedding dress, and yeah. um, you know, I'm the best speller in Kentucky, spelled with a C. They had some really good <laughs> ones, and I'm like, there's when the team is young. Um, I know this year is going to be a little bit um, different, but when the team is young as it normally is, I'm always like, you cannot discount these road games, especially the first few. I'm like, because it might not seem like it's crazy on TV. I'm like, but those kids are they're they're going through it from the moment they get off the bus yeah. at a lot of those stops. And well, I think we're going to Arkansas this year. And yeah. Arkansas is like so last time. So we went there in 20 with that team. So mm-hmm. we show up for warm-ups and and like shoot around or well, it was like a morning practice. It was like eleven AM and the game was seven at night. There were probably two hundred people lined up calling us names, yelling, screaming, you know, all kinds of stuff. We come back for the game that night. They are lined up i mean i I saw the video on my phone i over a mile lined up all the way through campus yelling middle fingers you know all kinds of stuff we get up they're rocking the bus kicking the bus and rocking the bus as we're trying to get off of it and uh and then of course cal got ejected so when cal gets thrown out of the game i'm sitting up in the stands like in the parent section so he gets thrown out i walk down to the court to go back to the locker room with him And, and the way arkansas is set up is their tunnel is at like center court. Most places it's on the baseline of the corner. It's at center court, like in the student section, basically. So Cal gets tossed and I walk around the baseline, come down. And as I'm getting ready to walk out, some fan comes down and I'm like, was like spitting on me. He was so close. Mm. Go get your bleeping bleep, blah, 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 and get out of here. And I'm like, what is, I mean, he's on the floor, like up in my face, like what is happening? 
Um, and then of course we won the game. So that's the one I always go back to. I'm like, yeah, when it's rowdy and you come back and like, it's just the best feeling in the world. And uh, I'll talk to a counselor about that at some point. Probably. Yeah. I really want to go to Bud Walton. I was supposed to go the last time actually, I don't, I don't even remember what happened, but since you brought that game up, we got to shout out my guy, Nick Richards. Cause I'm, I'm stockpiling his, tra- his rookie cards, TJ. I got all the faith in the world in my, in my guy, Nick Richards. He, uh, he went for 17 and nine that game. Emmanuel played 40 minutes um ain't double double two you had 13 and 10 was bud walton also the same spot that the fan like tried to square up with i don't remember i think it was uh, yeah. aaron harrison yeah aaron that place is wild yeah. i gotta go to bud walton that's everybody will tell you that it's the um it's the you know the most wild stadium in, in the yeah, SEC. and i've been to auburn and florida so that's saying something before they renovated um now I can't say the name, the old dome in, in Gainesville, mm-hmm. the way the rowdy reptiles, I mean, that was to me was the, the craziest environment I've ever been in. But once they redid it, I feel like they pushed them back off the court a little bit. So it's not quite as crazy, but I got to do Bud Walton because one, I'll never go to Arkansas probably for any other reason. That's the thing about these SEC cities, man. Oh my gosh. It's like these cities, a lot of them wouldn't even exist without the university. You no. Know? So you don't really get a chance to go. Like I'm never going to Gainesville, you know, if you're not going to, University of Florida so I'm hoping I get the chance to do um, a couple of those games but let's do some dad stuff man we've talked a lot about uh, basketball we'll start wrapping it up Um, one thing I know you mentioned um, son's home using your car so it's a a double correlation I'm going to tie in here because something that I wrote down last time that I actually remember this a lot TJ that that you said and I try to kind of plant that seed in myself as my kids are getting older is I remember you talked about you purposely trying to share hobbies with your son. And mm-hmm. I think it was cars. You were talking about cars. You didn't know anything about cars, but he got into cars and you guys watched um, like the Ford Ferrari movie or something. So um, I guess two questions is one, kids change hobbies a lot. Has he picked up any new hobbies you're jumping on? Or, or I guess two, have you learned anything more about cars? I've actually learned a lot about cars. So here in Lexington, every month, uh, I think it's the first Saturday of the month, there's a a thing called Cars and Coffee. And so all these exotic and classic cars come up to, it's at Southland Church right now. So they park up on Richmond Road and it's, I mean, like over a hundred cars. And so he goes with his teammates from the football team and, uh, and, you know, some of his buddies. And so um, my wife and I went out there with him like last month or something. And it was awesome. I mean, I mean, he, first of all, can talk everything about cars, but I actually like, it's, it's gone from like something where I was like, okay, I'm trying to learn and just trying to be interested where I had so much fun. It was like one of those, like, okay, well, when's the next one? When are we coming back out here? What are we doing? And so, um, we, we did that and he, uh, his, that's still his, his main love. And now he's, he's doing grad school or looking at grad schools. And so we try to help him with questions and he's taking the GMAT. And so for him, he's just kind of barreling along. He's getting ready for his final year at UK. And, um, you know, he's, he's one, wanting to work in, in athletics. He's, he's working right now in the, um, uh, gosh, what's it called? Player development for UK football. He works for Courtney Love, who was an awesome guy. I don't know okay. how well you know, Courtney, awesome guy. And, uh, so yeah, no, we, we've been doing some car stuff and what I, this is a, this is a cruel dad thing is like five years ago, he asked me if I wanted to watch the movie Fury with him. And, uh, and it was just like too long or I was too tired. I was like, no. And, and Ty's the kind of kid who like won't take no for an answer. And so he just like bullies you and like, not bullies you, but he's just like, dad, you want to watch it today? And then the next day, hey dad, you want to watch it today? And so I got to a point where I was like, I will never watch this movie with you just out of principle. <laughs> and so uh, I told my, my wife, like I'm into watching movies now, like, it, you know, everybody goes to bed or whatever. And I put them on my Instagram story, like today's movie, you know, cause I'm old and that's what I do. 
And I told her, I was like, one of these days, I'm going to put Fury on there and see how long it takes for him to like come running down the stairs or call me and be like, you watched it without, because it's been like a five year, like, no, I'm not watching it with you. I'm not watching it just out of principle. So at some point before he moves out, we got to do that. I'm, yeah, I'm it's a good movie too. It's kind of like, uh, it's a, it's a unique movie. I would say it's, I liked it. It was good. He I'm, loves it. We're talking about Brad Pitt, like war fury, right? Is that right? Yeah. No? Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Sweet. Um, let's see. What else did I have on the list? We want to make. Okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Tough one, TJ. I, I hate to do it to you, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to. And just you can just do your best with this one. All right. Just think. Do you remember the last time you've had a good cry? Oh man. Um, yes. <laughs> I am a. I will tell you. I'm not like a, a sad crier. Like I don't. I don't. Like when, when things frustrate me, it's got to be like really emotionally traumatic for me to cry. Like, cause I usually just like sadness or anger. I usually like kind of channel that into anger and then I have to work through that. Um, but I very often am moved to tears through joy. <laughs> so like Good. when I, when I feel like very, um, and usually it's related to my kids, um, like very proud or like you know, life is really good. We're really blessed. I get, I get teary eyed. Uh, and so it was about a week ago, my wife and I were, we finally, you know, things are getting crazy with work and everything else and getting ready for school now. And, uh, we had a moment where we sat on the back porch and she had a glass of wine. And, um, second time I'm talking about bourbon on this podcast, I swear I'm not a drunk. Uh, I had a little bourbon out there and, you know, just talking about, wow, you know, Ty, we're so proud of him where he's at and with his, his school and, and he's got, you know, a great girlfriend who is really awesome and they're looking at grad schools together and he's kind of like mapped out a good future for himself. And, um, and, and Will, our 11 year old is just a really sweet, kind kid. And, um, you know, it has a really good heart. And, and it was just one of those moments where it just kind of like, uh, it wasn't like a good cry, like ugly cry, but that was the last time I cried. And that's usually how it happens. I'm just sitting there talking and then my wife is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> no, I, I do the same thing. And I have a good one um, this this week because it's been the Olympics, man. And it's been like always that same thing too. you know, like there'll be especially the, uh, the like the hometown reaction videos. I mean, they just kill you with those, you know, they're put, you know, oh, you just won the gold medal. Here's your mom crying and I will like yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So I mean, that that's so easy, like low hanging fruit. I mean, I think that kind of chokes everybody up. But I can think about it a lot from uh, my kids standpoint. And it's usually athletics, I guess, because, you know, I'm watching sports or whatever. But I just think about it. And obviously, that didn't have to be a freaking gold medal. But, yeah. you know, anything with when I see my kid able to accomplish something that they've worked at and everyone around, you know, kind of be proud of them and then th get that moment. Oh, I can just I, I'll tear up just thinking about my daughter, mm -hmm. like scoring eight points for Ballard High School, maybe in three or four years. Like so the Olympics has really been bringing it on for me. It's just so cool to um, encapsulate the country and the family all in one and just these people work so hard and, and can perform on that stage with that kind of pressure. It's been, been, been pulling the tears out of me the last couple yeah. of weeks for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, so I just remembered what the catalyst was, which is even more embarrassing for, for why, what made me cry. He, Ty, my, my 21 year old was in Florida with his girlfriend. They went down there on vacation and to visit some grad schools. And he sent me a text that said, we're out to dinner. Uh, she was torn between two menu items. So after she ordered one, I ordered the other one so she could try both. I learned that from you. You're a good uh, mom or something like that. And I was like, oh my God. It's like, <laughs> Dang, that's a good I was like, oh, oh okay. And, and my wife was like, yeah, you do that a lot. It's kind of annoying. And I was like, well, I just try to be nice, you know? <laughs>
Well, that's, we're reversing my family. That's a really good one too, by the way, man. I can't imagine once uh, my daughter's, we're getting more of like, the, I mean, she really isn't, you have this too, TJ, because we've talked about, um, you know, our kids have similar age gaps. What are, what are yours? Uh, 10 years. So, so Ty will be, well, 22 in two weeks and Will is 11. He'll be 12 in January. Gotcha. So mine are very close. They're like 12, 12 and a half. So, and now, I mean, I had my daughter when I was 19. So, I mean, well, a sidebar of what I hate when we go out to eat now, TJ, the people like to ask it for on separate checks, which yeah. that's always, um, that's great for me. I always <laughs> provides an awkward moment, but um, she really is my best friend. Like that was just a long way of saying, like, I mean, she really is my best friend. Like she's, First person I talk to in the morning, last one I go to sleep. And um, so it's been really difficult to think. I took six weeks off this, which was probably great because I've had more problems with a teenage girl than ever. It's really challenging, man. So two boys pat yourself on the back today because um, I took her door off the hinges. Her, her door's been off the hinges. We, we just put it back on after about two months off. And uh, you know that damn thing was never yeah. going to get hung back on there, right? I said as right. soon as we yeah. took it off, this thing will never close right again. Um, but I see a lot of that now with the adult stuff, as far as like, we're out to do something. She does it the way that I do it, or she would ask the question that I would ask. So yeah, it really, yeah. really, really does pull at you too. When you start seeing your kids, um, turning into, uh, you know, a, a smaller version of you and really makes me think too, a lot now that I have my younger son and I even very proud of myself. This is, this is a one dad pod material right here. But um, a few weeks ago, I was like, I just, I cuss so much. Like I'm so bad about it. Like I just, <laughs> my son's too, he doesn't know what I'm saying. And I just have the worst, the worst mouth. So trying to figure it out. And the only thing that was going to work for me was pain. Uh, there was everything I was reading was like, you just need to find your why. Like, why do you want to stop doing this? I'm like, no, that's, that's not going to work for me. So man, I got the thick rubber band. I've been, I popped that sucker. My, my arm was like purple for a week, <laughs> but it works. It works. So I challenge you, if you struggle with that, like I did, um, that's good advice from the dad podcast, throw a rubber band on there and snap that sucker. Don't be easy on yourself. And um, the other cool thing that I liked about that, you know, other people that I work with that I see, they, they saw me doing it and it kind of created some peer accountability. Cause you know, if, if I cussed and I didn't snap it, they would kind of, you know, be like, what's up? Yeah. So. Well, we're, we're at the, at the point now and well, we've been there where now it's a, he's old enough where he like dips his toes in the water saying a cuss word around me. Oh yeah. Um, you know, like I pick him up from, and it started when he was, you know, playing football at UK and he'd be talking about practice and, and he would say something, he'd throw out a cuss word and I'd let it slide. I'm like, okay, you know, like it's not gratuitous and it's not, he just like, it's, you know, this, whatever. Okay. Well then he, he happened once or twice and then he comes home and he says like, you know, something in front of mom and she looks horrified. And so then I have to scold him. I'm like, Hey, don't speak like, who do you think you are talking like that in our house in front of your mother, especially blah, blah, blah. And then driving him back to campus. He's like, well, dad, you know, I had said a cuss word before in front of you and you didn't, you didn't like yell at me. And I was like, okay, man, let me give you just some unwritten rules of life. Yeah. I will discipline you for cussing if it's like over the top and inappropriate. Like, like if you, if a word here or there, I'll let it slide as long as you're not at cussing at me, but never can you say that in front of your mother and never can you let her know that I let them slide every once in a while. Like, <laughs> yeah. You cannot do that to me. All right, man, that's gotta be tough. I know it's just like, they're always gonna be your babies. And I know you hear about this stuff, you see it in the movies, all the challenges you have as parents, but until you really go through it, it's something, man. And I'm telling you, all the girls out there, it's gonna, we're gonna stick together through this, or the girl dads, I should say, because always the feedback I got that um, boys are tough at the beginning. My son's a Tasmanian devil right now. I'm just trying to keep him out of uh, the hospital all the time. And then, man, the, the teenage daughter, just these phones and music. As yeah. much chance as I get, TJ, I'm gonna 
like just completely clown. We have the worst, like ex we just accept what comes over the radio airwaves and we should not accept yes. it. Like we should yeah. not accept it. And I use the same example every time that is if we had transcript to this music, like if it was subtitled on your thing, we would in no way ever play it. I mean, you go to an elementary school basketball game, there's this stuff playing anyway. I talk about this every podcast. It just makes for awkward car rides every time. So I, I listen to like my musical taste is like very like almost everything I own or have on my phone has a giant parental advisory label on it. Like I listen and that's, I don't listen to it in front of the kids, but like, that's just kind of the music I grew up on, the music I love and, you know, concerts I go see, but like there will be days where I just turn the radio on in the car and an Ariana Grande song will be on. And I'm like, did I just, what? Yeah, like, we normalize it. Right. And, like, what? And I feel like as a parent, as a parent, you, you know, you can't normalize those things. And I mean, if you really listen, you're not just kind of vibing half of it, but you just right. like transcripted these lyrics. I mean, some of the stuff they say, and I'll even try to do the edited stuff. And then you're just listening like, a cuss word here and there. Like, again, like my, like you got cuss words and whatever. I mean, this is like creative and descriptive. And I'm like, Oh yeah. my, what? Oh my God. And so do you, do you do the, uh, the dad thing where you just start a random conversation when you know a part of a song's coming up? Like, you know, I know something's yep. coming up and I'll be like, so, uh, are you yeah. hungry or anything? You want to have some lunch? Dad, I just ate lunch. Oh, really? Okay. And I stopped talking because we got through that part. That's what, that's my trick in the car. Exactly. Well, I'm to the point now where it's just so frequent too. Like, and she knows, she'll even know if it's a pop this, twerk this, she just yeah. changes it herself. So I'm like, I've at least created that culture, but no, you're absolutely right. Like movies and things in general too. There's even like, um, like I was like, let's watch happy Gilmore. I mean, cause yeah. I, and, um, I said this to the day that I put it on there, TJ, but like, I have to use a happy Gilmore phrase in my life five times a day. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, I think so many people do. That's the most quotable movie. But anyway, we were watching that. And even there's a few parts in there where I was doing that. I'm like, Oh God, they're going to start doing this. I'm like, Oh, Lily, what's, you know, what's up with school tomorrow or fast forward or something. So I don't know, I guess that's just something we got to all deal with, but man, you have a, you have a 22 year old son and are still dealing with it. So that, yeah. um, that set me back quite a ways with a 13 year old <laughs> daughter. I'm going to be living this probably forever, but whatever. I think, I think my cries would be different if I had two daughters and two sons too, because <laughs> I don't think I'm emotionally equipped to handle that. It's tough. And, um, one thing I'm, I'm glad you just said that, cause I've been wanting to mention this on one of the podcasts and I have it is that I'm really starting to see, TJ, just how important it is for young females to have equal representation of people of their gender in this mm -hmm. stuff. Like um, props to the coach, whatever basketball coach she had recently said that and was like just asking the name WNBA players. None of them could really do it. Who's, who do you watch WNBA? And, you know, a lot of that's not their fault. They just don't have the exposure. So, um, you know, they kind of challenge them, hey, you know, find you a team. They don't come on as much, but this is when they do come on. So I've been a real big proponent of that, that, you know, as a father, I need help with that stuff. I need good female role models because um, I think they're out there. I just don't know that, um, you know, in our culture, we do a best job is like lifting them up. Yeah. And I, and I think part of that, too, is, is you know, our age we didn't have professional women's sports. I mean, the WNBA started, I think, when I was in middle school or high school. So it was one of those things where it was new and, and kind of just not known. And there were no, like, like my wife is, is uh, she grew up playing sports, phenomenal athlete, like multiple college offers for multiple sports and everything. And I've always known she likes baseball. We'll go to Major League Baseball games together. And I didn't realize until we moved to Lexington and started, like, she still loves softball. She still loves volleyball, the sport she played growing up, but it never crossed my mind that that's like, 
you know, an interest or passion of hers that she wasn't able to tap into because that's not around in a lot of places. And so experiencing it, Kentucky has been cool, not just for her, but like, I, I feel like I've gotten to see it like another layer to my wife who I've known forever because that's not something that I ever would have thought of because I wasn't really raised in a way to, uh, and not, I'm not trying to like dog my parents, but like women's sports just weren't something that was, they weren't on sports center. They weren't being talked about. I wasn't reading about them in the Dallas Morning News. And so as my brain evolved and I grew up, I didn't really keep that on my radar until I started working in athletics. I know how accomplished these teams are. And I know the coaches and some of the players that, you know, it's my wife. It's not my daughter. But I see that with her. I'm like, holy cow, she loves this stuff. And for however many years, that was just like on the back burner because it didn't exist. It wasn't something we embraced or anything. So so I understand what you're saying because it is neat to see it's, it's different when she's watching a female athlete than, you know, watching a football game at UK. She likes them both, but there's just that different appreciation because cause she, she's played it and she knows. And, and so that's something I wish I had discovered a little earlier. Exactly. Um, so if this is a husband podcast, there you go, a little therapy. Exactly. And you, need, and you need somebody to introduce you to it. For me, it's just because I have a daughter. Um, you know, for you, if you had a wife that was an athlete, um, and you kind of need somebody to, to pull on you a little bit and show you. And um, they've ripped me and make fun of me sometimes on uh, Twitter, which is fine, because my daughter and I um, will play NBA 2K, WNBA. Like, there's a WNBA setting, and I love it. I think it's great. When you really embrace, I guess my main experience is with women's basketball, but, you know, these girls can't jump and put their heads and hands over the rim, so there's just so much skill and passion involved. Like, I just love the mix between just, like, fundamentals, um, sheer passion, um, kind of combined together and yeah. like um, shout out to Evan Crane. He actually um, helped us. Lily and I went to see um, Kentucky play Indiana last, last mm-hmm. season, um, early on in the season, but I think Indiana ended up going to like the elite eight. So two really high level games, never seen a game in Memorial Coliseum and stuff like that. If you go do that, thank you. You'll really find a new um, appreciation for women's sports and damn, I'll be yeah. Kentucky right now. I mean, too, we have some extremely good women's sports, obviously, you know, volleyball winning the national championship. And then um, it's going to be a special year for women's basketball, too. And Olympians in uh, track and field and rifle and um, softball uh, for Team Mexico. There's a former U.K. softball player. Like, the women's sports at U.K. and and just the experience of seeing women's sports at U.K., um, if you have not done it, get out there. I am am a very, very big-time proponent of volleyball and softball Mm -hmm. at U.K. because I just love just the energy of it. Um, but yeah, any, any of those UK women's sports, if you get a chance to go out and see them, I highly recommend it because it is world-class in terms of their talent and, and the competitiveness. Yeah. I give a one last shout out and we'll wrap, we'll wrap this up. I kept you twice as long, but, um, Terry Brown, another dad pod veteran. Um, he has t- two daughters and he actually, um, has talked to me multiple times once per year. He tries to take them to an alternate sport like gymnastics or softball. Yeah. Um, I know his daughters play field hockey. So um, he kind of uh, put that on me, and I think that's a really good one, just get a different perspective, um, especially for female sports. But. Well, so kind of to that point, my son, Will, um, and I think we talked on the first podcast that I am the only person in my house, with my wife and two kids, who is not um, what's immunocompromised or vulnerable to, to COVID. And so my 11-year-old is not old enough for a vaccine. He still um, has some health issues that make him very vulnerable to it. So we've He's not played basketball. He stopped playing football. We had like anything where he was interacting with kids, he had oh, to stop. Wow. So, you know, he had his bike, he got a skateboard and, and some rollerblades. Right. And, but he came downstairs about a year ago and said, dad, I want to try tennis. 
I don't know anything about tennis. Never held a racket in my life. My wife doesn't know either. He started playing tennis and he loves it. I mean, he, he loves it more than, than anything he's done to this point, hockey or football or anything. And he's been playing in some tournaments now. And, oh, and there's, cool. I got to shout out top seed in, 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 well, it's not Lexington. I guess it's Nicholasville where they have the, the women's tournament there, but that's where he practices. Teachers are phenomenal, but he, he, COVID made him have to think outside the box and try a sport that honestly I never even would have brought up to him because I don't know anything about it. And, you know, I'm big, dumb dad, <laughs> limited to the box I live in. And so that's been a really wonderful experience for us the last few months because it's, it's socially distant. <laughs> you know, he can stay on the other side of the net and play and um, right. he really loved it. And so that's something where um, I love that Terry's doing that. That's, that's awesome because you never know what you're going to find when you're opening yourself up to new stuff. Yeah, I've always wanted to. I've seen uh, – I, I take Lily's practice at Christian Academy sometime. You know, they have, a, I guess, a good tennis culture there. And I'll see the parents. I'm like, that would be a pretty badass sport to cheer for your kid in tennis because it's individual. Yeah. It's quick-paced. Um, you can just, like, you mm -hmm. know, smoke one over to them. So that would be a fun sport to go watch. But I will say, if we can kind of wrap up the youth sports on this, um, I'll even do it again. I'm going to look up and say, thank you. I'm so glad and thankful that my kid plays an indoor sport this time of year because <laughs> I know these softball parents and stuff. Oh my God. Like I was in Atlanta last weekend, you know, 10, 12 hour days in the gym. I'm like, if this was outside in Atlanta, Georgia, waiting on softball games and stuff, and you yeah. know, it's just 30 walks a game or whatever. Whew. So yep. thank you for AC. Yeah, that's what we've got. Will's two sports he wants to be playing are tennis, which is blazing hot in the summertime, and ice hockey, which is cold year-round. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Basketball in here or something, man. He, yeah. he hates basketball. I don't get it. <laughs> that's tough. Um, all right, well, man, thanks, TJ. I know we, um, we always do this, but it's a good conversation. We ran a little bit over, um, but I'm really excited to end it out because, drum roll, I have an original dad joke today that I came up in the car with uh -oh. on Friday. Um, it's kind of just a natural progression dad joke, so – um, I'll go last, I guess, if you have your dad joke to end up, end out the podcast today. Yeah. Well, so, so I was talking to my sons and, and like, as you were talking about ties into cars and we go do that, I'm really into music and live music. And so that's something where he's actually tried to embrace what I want to do, which is kind of cool. So, um, as concerts come back and we're looking at concerts, um, I found one that actually, like they're trying to get people into the building. Their tickets are only 45 cents. Do you know who's playing? Who? 50 Cent and Nickelback. <laughs> 50 Cent and Nickelback. Live music one good. They, my sons both hated that, by the way. I tried it out, <laughs> and then they both said it was a horrible joke. <laughs> no, that's perfect, man. I mean, you've been, you've been encapsulated Nickelback in there, which is this kind of like – they're like a dad joke themselves. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's, here's my original one. And, and it, again, it just came up naturally. It wasn't even joking. So um, screaming baby in the car, was whining, whining, driving home from somewhere, I don't know, on Friday. So what, what do you feed a screaming baby, TJ? What do you feed a screaming baby? I don't know. A hush puppy. Boom. <laughs> hush puppy. We were in, we were in Moby Dick's drive-thru and it just, it just all progressed. Like we need to, you know, we like, we didn't have any crackers. We didn't have anything to chuck back there, you know, and he's starving. And I said, well, then I said, he'll eat hush puppies. And then I just kind of got the most evil <laughs> grin on my face. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing for my podcast. And my wife, like, rolls her eyes. Um, totally um, off subject as we wrap up here because it just reminded me of that. But we'll get rich together if you ever want, TJ, because um, your kids are a little older now, but you'll remember my trillion-dollar idea for a dad is some type of apparatus or device to drop snacks off to your kid in the back car seat without turning around. Yes. Sick, yes. right? 
yeah like a little tunnel or something through the car i mean it's inevitably <laughs> going to get messy but i'm like you know that's a that you know what mark cuban says you got to find the problem and solve it and uh, yeah. you know reaching around back to try to pass off the skittles and stuff is very difficult it's, it's amazing when your kids are small how creative you can become thinking <laughs> about how your life needs to be easier why haven't they invented this or that and, you know <laughs> right well, all right, man. It was great stuff. Again, I know I always appreciate you. Um, you, you know, not only, you know, somebody that has their pulse on Kentucky sports and, and basketball specifically, but you're also a dad first online on Twitter. Everybody knows that, you know, you have kids and have watched, watch your journey as a dad. So we appreciate you sharing insights on both sides of the spectrum. I appreciate it, man. It's always great talking with you. All right. We will do it next time. Thanks everybody. Again, make sure you're following, um, at Kentucky Dad Pod, at Cats by 90. We're probably going to start mixing some of those into get, getting excited um, for football season. Actually, had a, a slight football chill in the air this weekend. I know it's going to go away, but, um, you know, get ready to fire the girls up and stuff, and we're going to get some, some good guests on for all that. But appreciate it, and we will talk to everyone next week.